live, we're kicking, and on today's episode, I have Nicola Green. How are you, Nicola? Good. Good. Amazing, amazing. So, during the week, we spoke about your modelling career, your life coaching, your book, your coaching academy, and where did it all start for you, Nicola? I think that I made a joke about needing um, probably a lot longer to cover it all, but we'll try and, I'll try and give as many golden nuggets yeah. as I can. Um, it started when I was 29, and I think it was hitting 30, that just sort of gave me a bit of a different perspective on life. I was like, this, this has came about really quickly. Um, I had previously got a modelling contract when I was 18, um, and I came from, like, we don't have all days, so I'll just make it brief, but of really bad bullying as a child. Like, the right. town that I came from was really rough. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was physical as well as verbal, like, on a daily. It was really tough. So when I got the modelling contract, the people that were supposed to be, like, my friends and the people that were supposed to support me, mm-hmm. some of them didn't. And the jealousy and the bullying and it intensified and it made me stupidly want to fit in so mm-hmm. I, I gave up my modelling contract So if you just take it back where did, where did you grow up and what was your early years I don't like? want to diss where I grew up because it's kind of I've got, had a lot of good mm-hmm. that's what's made me who I am today but it was rough it was Greenock mm-hmm. you know the east end yeah. of Greenock and the, the, the roughest part of that area as well so it was just it was like a war zone and what were the early, early years like? Was modelling always in your always. mind when you were younger? or Yeah. Was, mom, your, was that your aspiration, was it? Always. My mum says I came out of the womb ready to model. Like, just whenever there was a camera, just mm-hmm. I loved I loved being in front of the camera. And how, and you were saying there, the, the bullying, was that when you were young? What age yeah, were you as far then? back as I can remember. Like, um, I remember being like five. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, we were first like, kind of allowed to go out to play out, out the back. From, are you from a scheme yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scheme back gardens. Yeah. You're allowed to go out and play is mm-hmm. the first memories. I'd say from the age of about five, and it, it never, it's never, it's even at this day, it still happens. Is that continued? Was that continuing off through like your school and? Yeah, I've never. I can't school. remember a time, and I hate saying that because I don't like sounding like a victim. No, do you know that's one thing I fucking hate is bullies. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, it's obviously the it's a problem that stems and then it affects people later on in life with bullies obviously that how they go about their business and antagonising people and obviously you've experienced it yourself massively and did that it, did that affect is that affected you massively massively affected me um, well obviously in a really negative way for mm-hmm. a very very long time I had a nervous breakdown when I was 17 mm-hmm. because I just couldn't take it anymore it was just like at where I was from if you were remotely like, I, I've never been, I, sh- I was always like the black sheep. I've never mm-hmm. been one to follow the crowd. I've always been one to just, I've got my own mind. My dad taught me to be really proud of that. But if you were like kind of remotely ambitious, or if you, you stood out in any way, shape, or form, it made you an easy target. And my daughter's the same. We've got a natural, bubbly personality. We're naturally kind of happy go lucky people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of darkness in places and I don't diss that either, do you know what I mean? I've been there myself, but when you are that light and you're bubbly and you're happy, that tends to annoy the dark side Mm -hmm. and and, and you're an easy target. But I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all that. I don't regret any of it because it's what led me to start the academy, which has Mm -hmm. been a huge success. Yeah, your kids, we'll go to touch on that later. Uh, Could you give us a wee... 
example, Nicola, are you the bullying when you were younger? Um, the thing that what you, what you were actually going through. It's an interesting question, that, and I, I, I felt sorry for my mum and dad when I eventually told them later on in life because they were frustrated because they they wanted they would have wanted to have done something about it. But mm-hmm. this is what I teach in my academy now is that I, I felt shame. Mm-hmm. I, I was the oldest, and I was like kind of Nicholas, Nicholas Strong, and. I was the one to look after everybody, so I, I felt like I had a lot of shame about it. So I had it. I don't want to start getting emotional, because I could cry no, and thinking about it the now, no. but like I would have to plan routes to avoid getting a doon, and mm-hmm. it wasn't just like one, it was a group. Was that girls? Or was yeah. Aye, girls. Yeah. And, and, and how did that then lead into your... You're uh, you're modelling in that. Were you modelling when you were younger as well? I wanted to, but I was too scared of what people would think. I think I was very aware of the consequences of any sort of success, any sort of standing out and not fitting in with the crowd. And did you think that stopped you then in your early years from going and pursuing it? What what direction did you take in your early years between 17, 20, around about that age? I just... um, I tried to get a normal job. I done mm-hmm. like sales, like so many different types of jobs in estate agency, um, dental, like, law. I always wanted to challenge myself, and then I would get bored mm-hmm. and want to move on to something else. Um, and then I just remember feeling really frustrated, thinking that I never fitted in. I was like, "There's got to be something, you know. I've got to have a purpose. There's got to be something that I can do." And I've never. I think because. When we're jumping between stories here, but I don't know if you actually know that I, at 21, I was like minutes away from losing my life. No, not enough. I don't know that. That, that was covered in the media as well because it was um, very touch and go. I lost seven pints of blood. What happened? Um, Do you know I, I had a really bad ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what that is. It's basically when the baby grows in one of your fallopian tubes and it erupted. Right, and um, I was working at the airport hotel at that point, management. And I just thought that just female stuff. And then before I knew it, rushed into the hospital and was told that my mum and dad were told that they were losing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to, obviously I lost my baby and one of my tubes were removed. And I was told that um, I probably wouldn't be able to have kids. But that was like a, obviously it was very difficult, but that was a massive game changer mm-hmm. because that was the, the point where I had a whole new appreciation for life mm-hmm. like do you know what I mean, I've went through all this shit but I'm lucky to be alive. I'm so lucky to be alive like yeah. minutes away from losing my life and that's never left me to this day yeah I can imagine obviously going through the bullying then to a, a traumatic experience like losing a kid losing a wee baby that itself is a massive impact on somebody and how was the steps after that then Nicola what, after obviously your your experience here at 21, what, what did you do next? I just tried to just like stay in that state of gratitude. Mm-hmm. I think that if I, I can, I know now looking back, obviously now I'm changing therapy and stuff like that, but I know now that what I was actually doing was blocking it out and I hadn't allowed myself to process the trauma. Mm-hmm. And I used work and achievements as a way to, you know, if I'm doing this and if I'm doing that, that means everything's great. But actually, Inside, it was killing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really difficult. Um, I moved away, split with my fiance. Kind of went on, not, I wouldn't say self-destruct, but just this kind of didn't... It was almost like I, I felt like I had this new chance at life. Mm-hmm. So anything that wasn't making me happy, that wasn't uplifting me or fulfilling me, 
I just couldn't be in that environment for any length of time. Yeah. And that's difficult when you're an empath and you've got a big heart and you really care about people. And I've always wanted to try and save people and help people. And, I, and that's attracted a lot of people that have taken advantage of that mm-hmm. and kind of worn me down. Um, but I, moved, I split up with my fiancé, moved to Manchester and had a ball. Had a mm-hmm. great time. Um, was kidding myself on that it didn't matter if I wasn't going to be a mum, that I was a career girl, that that was going to be fine. And then when I met my son's dad, I think that's when it hit home that actually I was kidding myself on. Yeah, just masking a lot of pain. Totally. It was when, it was when all his friends, all the like, girlfriends and wives were all like getting pregnant. And he said to me one night, um, I can't wait until that's us. And I had never told them, because like, mm-hmm. I just buried it. And were you still in the thought of that you couldn't have kids? Well, it wasn't even a thought. It's what I was told no, by my surgeon. Right, right, no, it was like the chances are very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's amazing how much you can subconsciously convince yourself of something. Yep. And I remember the time when I just broke down, and that was we we thought that that was the end of our relationship because I was just I was just like I can't give you what you need or what you want, and that's a horrible thing mm-hmm. for a woman. And I'm. Um, I was obviously emotional and I found out three days later that I was pregnant with my son. <laughs> Aye, fucking hell. There we go. How are you, how is, how, and were you like, that's a miracle, I guess? Oh my God, I've never even, my boy's bigger than me now, yeah. he's front man of a band and what age is it? I've what age never, Aaron's 16. 16. He's like my best mate and every single day I look at him and I'm just total miracle. No, that's amazing. Total miracle. Especially when you go for Obviously, been told that you're very slim chance of having kids. Then all that stuff that's happened with your fiance to then breaking up and then being pregnant. You must mm-hmm. have like, God, what's happening? Looking up there. I've just been a hormonal crazy <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could say that as well. So, mm-hmm. what was the steps then into your modelling career after that? Because obviously, you must have done a lot of a lot of self work there. You've been talking about and you've been mm-hmm. talking about a lot of inner stuff there as well. And obviously, I know myself and people who are watching this like. In that environment, eh, going to be a model uh, is it, scary when you look at it for the. Did you try and be a model yourself? No, but when you, when, you, when you look at it for the outside to the looking in, it, it's quite a competitive environment. Very much so. And then you, you, you're talking about all the stuff that you've just spoke about, how you're feeling internally to then going and doing something like that. How did that, that process go? A lot of courage, yeah. a lot of madness, like a lot of. Like, it took me to the age of 29 to pluck up the courage to get back in it again because, as I said, like, I would have, like, so-called mates and even my boyfriend at the time would say things like, they just they just didn't like it, they didn't want me to do it. And I, I know now, looking back, that that was their own stuff. Um, their own insecure, projecting their own insecurities. Absolutely. Yeah. But I was just like, I want to fit in, like, this is my boyfriend, this is supposed to be my, my best mate at the time. So I, I phoned the agency. Now, looking back on it, I don't even know that who that person is. I'm like, I must have been crazy to say, no, don't phone me for any more work. Like, I don't want to do this. Take me off your books so that I could fit in, get a normal job. Mm. I totally was not cut out for that life. And it's not that I don't think that I'm any better than anybody. Like, I each to their own. Um, but I always knew from a really young age that I was destined for more, like, to make more of an impact. I saw a lot of things growing up that I didn't want my children to see. And again, that wasn't my parents' fault. That was just where we were from and that's just what happened. But I, my dad's really sort of integrated. My dad's no longer with me now, but he's he he just like taught me so much about 
don't, you know, look outside this town. The world's massive. You've got so much potential. Giving you a lot of self-belief. 100% the reason why that I, I had the confidence and still have the confidence that I've got now. And I think that's an amazing point, like how important like parents are in the back of the parents and putting self-belief into your kids and into kids makes and later on in life because 100%. we see it now in society where there isn't proper role models there isn't probably proper parents with their parenting kids and you can see what the next generation's coming up like yeah. and I think this is where a lot of the problems stem from, mm-hmm. stem from in society mm-hmm. and when you're big when was it? Miss Caledonia, yeah. 2012. Yeah. And how was the environment round about that? And how was the preparation in that? Oh my God. Um. There's there's a lot in that. There's a <laughs> lot in that. I'm, I, I yeah. try and sort of filter it down. I did write about it in the book. Mm-hmm. That was really traumatic for me because right. that was the thought of me going through being in an environment and that bitchy environment again just filled me with fear. I just, I was at a point where I had left my long-term partner, Aaron's dad and I had separated because I had this new found, like, I'm hitting 30, I've wasted all those years trying to do normal jobs. It's not working for me. This is my shot. I'm not getting any younger. And it was actually one of my clients. I was selling a house and she said to me, like, look at Heidi and you should totally get into modelling and it hurt me I was like that's a sore subject but she kept going on about it every time I would go into her house and she would say promise me you're going to do something about this and I did obviously there's a lot more involved in that but the long and short of that was that I'd done really well very quickly at the age of 29 I made um, Top Model UK in London um, made the final for Miss Scotland Caledonia Miss Caledonia there's two different names for it anyway big Scottish beauty pageant and um I was told that I couldn't do both and I had to pick between either London or Mm -hmm. Scotland, which was like heartbreaking because I knew that in London there were bigger opportunities, but by this point, obviously, my son was my main priority. So I chose to go down the Scottish pageant route and that was character building, to say the least. Let's just say that. Because um, we don't have all day, but yeah. What's this? What's the steps like in like entering a competitive modelling, a beauty competition? What, how did? What's the process? Even now, it? it makes me shiver. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I did not want to do it. I didn't. Right. I would never have put myself. I would yeah. never have sat there and went. Do you know what? I want to be a beauty queen. That mm-hmm. was just not me at all. It was a photographer that I was working with at the time to build up my portfolio. Had phoned me and said to me, Nicola, this has got your name written all over it. You've got to do this." And I was like. No, <laughs> I might have used other words, but I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I, I'm no chance of doing it. Like you couldn't pay me to be in that environment, and he was like, no, because it's all about who you are on the inside. It's not about this sort of looking a certain way and ego. It's heart led. It's about being a good person on the inside and having integrity. And you need to do it. And I was like, I'm me. I'm turning dirty. <laughs> like. These wee girls are like 10 plus years younger than me. Like I'm all the way down to like eight, is 18, I, is like, 18 And I'm hitting 30 and he's trying to talk me into hanging about with these teenagers. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And he wouldn't let it go. But then it started haunting me. Because he says, what have you got to lose? And I was like, do you know what? That would almost be like what I've did all these years is let that fear be the main driver. Mm-hmm. And by this point, having my medical boy completely changed my whole mindset and I thought do you know what let's not take it too seriously we'll have a laugh we'll have a bit of banter 
and it'll be something for if I get to the final, my son can say, My mum got to the final. And that was that was it. That was the mindset. I didn't take it that seriously. Mm-hmm. There was the, the bullying and the stuff that went on behind the scenes would make your hair curl, the stuff that I had to go through. I mean, there was like parents and families had like like the, the social media was just going mental with all these girls like as if they'd already won it and their whole life was depending on winning this beauty so pageant that, and that, that just to- was toxic, really toxic oh my so god I was, so I was right then <laughs> very much so mm-hmm. and it was like the, the, it was constant and and, I, and, I, and and that's why I set up the academy because I wanted to create a safe environment but it's like cutthroat like girls I'm an empath so I can feel energy when I walk into a room and it's just like horrible negative energy and because I was older mm-hmm. and because I didn't try and fit in and I wasn't one of them there was loads of stuff that Don't went you on you could sense this though because you were older as well and you've obviously got loads of life experience and you're looking maybe at the external ways everybody's there to win because of how they look absolutely so by that point I had been trained by the best catwalk training in London in London's West End mm-hmm. by the best models in London mm-hmm. And the girls in Glasgow, I tried my best, as I always do, to be brand new and like be nice and be friendly, but it just didn't work out. And I think that there was, because I had already been in the press for the success with the catwalk stuff, that went against me straight away in terms of making mates, mm-hmm. which I really wasn't actually there to make any friends. I was just there to make my son proud. But the... The things leading up to it was like, you know, my daughter's winning this. My yeah. daughter's got this. And yeah. and it was, there was a, a few of the girls that were from really rough parts of Glasgow as well. So it was like big families and like, you know what it's like? Mm-hmm. It was like squads. Um, and I remember, um, again, I was sitting in the hotel and I, I wasn't really taking it that serious. I'm thinking... I was over the moon to get to the final. I couldn't believe that I'd even got to the final. What's the stages of getting to the final? What things do you have to do? So I read a few things about it, like obviously you have to stand up and give a speech as well. What was that about? That, uh, what did that, you have to say in that speech? Like, do you have to stand up in front of an audience of people? And maybe that is, is, is the person was saying to you. It's about internally, your energy and... No, do you know what I mean? What, absolutely. That was, so, was that a big part of it? It's, it? it's a brilliant question, sure, because... I know all of that is the reason why I won it. Like, I mean, I say that to people, they say, no, because be your pretty as well. But I think that it was the whole thing. The, the head judge, the guy that made the decision, there was, there was lengthy arguments about who was to win this. And the head judge was adamant that it was to be me. So the, basically, you sent an email on why should you be considered for this pageant. Mm-hmm. And I just said that I went through a lot of bullying, really passionate about helping any anybody that's went through that. I'd love to be I'd love to be an example of how you can get through that. And that was it. And then I found out I think it was like five hundred, over five hundred applicants that had made the top twenty-two finalists, which blew my mind. I was like, couldn't believe it. Then it was all about, right, well, let's how can we I always like to go all in, give everything 100%. So even if I don't, because I still even now, I'm like, even when I don't win, I can say that I gave it my all. And um, so I went all out and kind of working out and getting making sure I had all the best of gear, dress-wise and all that kind of stuff. And I remember all the, the girls during, there was folk shoots in Buchanan Street, there would be press involved, and it was Dead bitchy. I actually had a panic attack one night and one up because I, the energy was so negative. Was, was having a night out there, but it was like a promotional thing for right. it. 
And I remember my mum saying to me, if it's making me feel like that, don't, it's not worth it, don't do it. And I was like, no, because I want to overcome this. I want to overcome, I don't want to feel as if I'm letting anybody beat me anymore, like holding myself back. So anyway, um, the, the night itself, I remember sitting in the hotel room and writing out my speech. And I thought, right, what am I going to say? And one thing I can do is talk. I've, I used to get into trouble <laughs> in school for it all the time. And it's funny that I get paid for talking now, but um, I, I'm definitely comfortable talking. And um, I thought, right, I'll just talk from the heart because I don't know what other, I don't know how else to be. So I just spoke about what I went through when I was younger. And if I, it was all about what would you do if you won this? And I just said I would, I would, I promise to just always try and help as many people as I can. But the girls that were the girls that were bu- like bullying when I say bullying, I mean like just being horrible to me um, and being really bitchy. We're running off the stage crying during the speech part. So we had like right. a swimwear round. Right. Then we had um swimwear, then it was because you're going back a few years, swimwear, and then it was tartanwear, and mm-hmm. then it was the speech, then it was evening wear, and then they announced the top five. Now again, I'm sitting backstage. I'm having a laugh. Like, I'm sitting there having a laugh because I had, like, it was my mum's 50th birthday that night. I had everybody there. I was feeling great. I'm thinking, just having a laugh. And I remember the just days. Enjoy, like, enjoying the experience. I was in a great mood because, again, I wasn't one. I wasn't there, but I wasn't the one in that. I was just there to enjoy the night. Mm-hmm. But the dress I had shipped up from London, it was a one off. And it was like, it was a one off by a designer and it had like a big massive trail. It was like a big wedding dress, but it was like tartan. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of Spanish tartan vibes. It was huge. And I remember when the staff came in and went, like, Nicola, here's your, your dress with the tartan round, and unzipped it and just unveiled this humongous dress. Yeah. And the looks, you could have cut the atmosphere by <laughs> knife, right? And they put me first out. So I can hear everybody saying, Nicola, and like in the back, we're in the Crown Plaza, the biggest ballroom. And I'm first out. I think the clock that obviously through the catwalk experience that I was confident enough to go out first. And I remember pulling out this dress and I couldn't get it on. And I'm just get underskirts and underskirts and nobody would help me. Like they just all stood in a row and just watched me and nobody would help me. And they were saying, and here's Nicola Cream. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there with like half a dress on. Aye. So anyway, I had to get a, a member of staff to help me and done my speech and even at this day like when they when they mentioned um that I'd won I literally hit the deck so what was what was the you all up on stage were you? Five, was it five years up on stage five of us on the stage and I remember there's pictures and videos actually I get I get embarrassed even thinking about it because I remember when they annou- finally announced the top five mm-hmm. I was sitting having a glass of wine night right, on the couch and the girls are all like because they're Obviously, they've got themselves down as winners, right? And I'm sitting on the couch with a glass of wine. I think I put a picture on Facebook Mm -hmm. recently. And I was actually saying to them, good luck. Good luck. And I hope (laughs) you enjoy it. Even though they were being bitchy, I was like, good luck to you. And um, and they said, we're going to announce the top five. And my name was the first to be announced. And they did say that if you go out, if you're announced as a top five, you must do your points, which is basically posing on the catwalk right mm-hmm. you've got to do five different points here 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 and here and I was so shocked that I ran out <laughs> onto the catwalk crying as if I'd just won it like com- no control like ugly crying like mm-hmm. hands in the face like oh because I'd been announced like I couldn't believe I'd made top five and I yeah. thought even if I was in my chance of winning this I've just ruined it because I've not done any points <laughs> 
was just standing on the stage crying. And um, it was just bizarre. It was dead surreal. It was like, it was, it was like watching a, a film. It was like an hour body experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they built it all up and I could hear people shout, Nakala, Nakala. There was like, it was almost like the family, you could hear, you could feel the competitiveness in the room. And I was just going, is this even happening? Like, this is crazy. And I had this, this, this mad curly hair, this big mad blue dress shipped over from America. Mm-hmm. And when they said my name, to this day, I will never go over it. I won't go over it. It just didn't feel real. What was going through your, your head? Then? I was saying to the wee girls, like the wee girl that I thought was going to win, I'm saying wee girls because I was so much older than them all. Um, wee girl, lovely wee girl. She was one of the nice ones. And she, I thought she deserved to win because she was a beautiful person on the inside. And I'm saying, oh, you've got this. Like, you're going to win this. And I was squeezing her hand. Mm-hmm. And, they went, and the winner is, and they dragged it right out. And as soon as, it, honest to God, like, see, I couldn't have watched that for two years because mm-hmm. I was so embarrassed at, at my reaction. Trust me, I did not mean to react like that. That was completely shock. What happened? I just disintegrated into this big dress. I just hit the deck. Yeah. I could did not believe fail? it. No? No, but I felt like it. Right. And then all these people were all around me and they were trying to put the crown on my head. And I was just sob. I was like, sob. It was, I think because there was so much emotion in the build-up to it. You're going back to being five. Mm-hmm. A wee girl in five, being bullied all my days. Knocking back all these opportunities. It was everything. It was a moment for me. It was like, I've forgiven myself Mm -hmm. for not letting other people. I knew that if I even just went on to that stage, that that, I could let myself off the hook for all those years that I allowed other people to hold me back. And I won it. Yeah, a lot of emotion there, isn't there? That's (laughs) that's why you're just like, and I've won it. Do you know what I mean? Maybe get that fucking up, you (laughs) kind of sketch, do you know what I mean? Like to everybody, to everybody, to all your bullies and to everybody in the past, it's obviously... That was honestly, Stuart, you would think that that I thought, it took me a long time to process winning that. It was my mum, it was a big birthday that weekend, right, and we were all in the champagne and seeing the Monday, logged on to my phone, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. the press and everything was crazy. And on the Monday, when I eventually came round, I was like... Sitting in my flat, and I was like, "No way, man! I cannot believe this." Logged on. The girl, one of the girls from, I won't mention any names, right? Or areas or anything like that. I had put, she dug out a picture from years ago when I had had my son, and I was in no hurry to get back in that size. Yeah, I wasn't like overweight, but I wasn't looking as good as I did that night. Um, dug out a picture from years and years and years before that I didn't even know was on Facebook. I basically looked like I looked terrible, right? And she she shared that and tagged everybody in it. All the professionals, all the photographers, everybody. And I could I could cry and think about it now because it was so devastating and said I didn't win, but here's a runner. And I get absolutely destroyed. Like from all her people and people that didn't know me, it was like the things that they were saying about me. I, I literally cried for hours and that took any joy. Right. That was the beginning of a whole new trauma for, right, for me. So I, I, I didn't realise that. Obviously, there was a thing on social media, and social media can be obviously. Well, uh, that was a new level of bullying yeah. that I had me. That was the start. Was, of, that, was that just people you knew it was bullying you on social media? Was it going like kind of viral and just all sorts of people bullying, as you see it yes. happening? Yes. So this was I mean? a girl that was in the final. Right. That her she was convinced that she she should have won it, and her mother and her family were convinced that she was the winner. And that I shouldn't have won it. Mm-hmm. And then, so these people didn't know me. So when she shared, do you know what it's like in Scotland, in particular Glasgow? It's a small place. And um, it just, 
everybody just jumped on the bandwagon and they were saying really horrible things about me and I just, I was so distraught. It was horrible. I wouldn't wish it my worst enemy. How, how, how did you deal with that then, Nicola? Over cried that, for over hours. That, over that period. I cried. I just cried and cried and nobody could understand because everybody was like, thought that I should have been so happy. And on one hand I was because there was loads of amazing things happening. Yeah, I was going to say, did that one open up different doors and pathways for you? Yeah, absolutely. But I think a lot of that was my own initiative as well. Mm-hmm. It's not as if like that one, I was just handed a lifetime of amazing opportunities. I got a crown and I won like a thousands of pounds worth of prizes. But then there was no like they don't. There was it was just like that's you kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it was on the who, who's going promoting it for next year. Right. So you kind of then left with right. It's amazing because I've won. What's next? But also this is just actually horrendous, <laughs> the jealousy. And by the way, I'm not even just talking about just from strangers, mm-hmm. people that... Close within you, within your own circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into that. No, that's but fine. absolutely shocked to the core to this day. And again, like, it's made me who I am today. And now, like, I wouldn't ever let any, anybody hold me back now. And, and I, I can instill that into my kids. And I instill that in the people that I work with now. So I know that it's all been for a reason. But it was, honestly, it was it was horrendous. And do you think, was that, in fact, was that the the, the last of your modelling? Or will you continue modelling after that and in our competitions? Or was that the... <sighs> Believe it or not, the following year, again, the same photographer. <laughs> I don't even know how he managed it. Talked me... <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to admit this. It's a wee bit embarrassing. My son will kill me when he watches this back. <laughs> it was UK's sexiest calendar girl competition, right? And my dad was dead, like, very strict about self-respect. And I've never done any glamour modelling or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was all about respecting yourself. And so, obviously, I had a son to think about as well. So I, that was very much ingrained in me. And I didn't want to be seen as a sex symbol. I didn't want to do it. But he was like, well, you... Just tell them, I'll say to them that you, 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 you've got rules because because you've won this crown, they're going to, they're dying to have you involved. And I was like, I don't really want to be seen like that. And he was like, they kept talking me around. And I was the only girl on the calendar that refused to wear lingerie during the photo shoot. And that, that was, that there was terms. I won't go into what the rest of them are doing, mm-hmm. like, but um, I was allowed to choose what I wore and I ended up winning that as well. There was like a public vote. There was like a public vote that basically you submit your photographer or whoever submitted a picture and then there was a public vote and I won that and that I'm s I am do not even know why I'm smiling, but I'm smiling because it was it, 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 there's a familiar pattern here. Mm-hmm. When something good happens and it's literally just happened to me, even in recent weeks coming back from New York Fashion Week, the good stuff is always followed by a level of toxicity, let's just mm-hmm. call it. But it all serves you in the end. Yep, yep, and it, it, that's life, isn't it? It's like a roller coaster, isn't it? Up, mm-hmm. downs, and then you just have to use all that experience and everything you've learned over the years, you've seen over the years, and use it as a, I say it's like a wee toolbox to go to every time, to go, mm-hmm. right, that's happened before, and I can deal with it going forward. Mm-hmm. So what was the next steps into, like, coaching people, life coaching? What was that, that where did that come from? Because um, it's a big career change, isn't it? There is. So when I decided to take the step into leaving my 
estate agency career, which was really successful. Mm. Um, everyone thought I was crazy because by that point I just so you were still doing that whilst modelling. Yeah, well, it was I. So basically, um, people thought I was crazy because I'd left a well-paid job. I'd just decided to become a single mother and pursue this whole new path. And people were going, you're crazy, like you're giving up your job, you're a single mum, whatever. So anyway, um, obviously after winning the crown, that gave me a, pla- a platform. It made me gave me more credibility. And I, I at that point, was had enough, my, my, enough about me to know as much as I was still hurting and traumatised by all the, the bullying and everything that had went on, I was not going to allow that to stop me anymore. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I wasn't going to allow fear and the opinions of other people, especially those that didn't know me, to hold me back. And I thought, I, this all needs to be for something. I'm not going to go through all of this pain and for it not to be for something. And and my boy was my biggest driver. He was my biggest why. And I know that it sounds dead American cheesy. No, it's... Like, but it's, he's my why. For many parents took their kids as their why then... He he's he he is my wife for everything that boy and and my daughter now as well. But at the time, I thought I want to show him what's possible. So, um, I just I left my job. I walked away from my job, and I remember being in this big flat, just me and him, and thinking, "Am I is this mental?" <laughs> but I thought, well, I'm, this is it. It's never never. Like I've just got to go for it. And there was times I had no money. I didn't know like whether it was going to work. But I just, I knew that I had to try. I knew that I had to give it everything. And I did give it everything. And then I remember um, I would go to like family weddings and stuff like that. And people would come up to me like mums, like they're drinking them and stuff like that. And say, oh, my daughter, I want to get my daughter into modelling. And my niece is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was just a common theme. Because like, in my area, it was like Nicola's done all right at modelling. So she knows. And I thought there's maybe a wee gap in the market here. But it was more, for me, it wasn't about the modelling it was about the big thing for me genuinely was I wanted to create a safe space for girls like not just from my town like from every town in Scotland that they could if they were pretty or if they were ambitious they didn't need to get done in for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they didn't need to get bullied for it it was a safe space where they could celebrate being pretty and being ambitious and being a nice person or whatever so that was my initial idea was to set up the academy and I thought I had no business experience whatsoever. The only thing that I had was a bit of the gift of the gab, sales background, and I knew that I, I knew I was genuine. I knew that I had always done well in sales because what you see is what you get, and I always adopted that was just that's who I am. If you just be yourself, then it's, it worked. It worked well for me. So. Uh, I, I always remember getting my first sale. It was the best feeling ever. <laughs> oh my god, best feeling ever! I'll never forget it. I, actually, I was sitting in the library, and I get I get my first sale, and it was amazing because I, I was struggling financially. And when you choose to be single, mm-hmm. it's not always made easy. If you know what I mean, financially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was a big deal, and um, it was my that was me. I was like, right, I'm making this happen. And over the years, was that in the estate agents was it? The, the sale? No, this was for the academy. Oh, the academy. My, my, the yeah. academy like right. when I set up the, the academy right. for the girls. Yeah. No, the, the stations and stuff was well before that. Like, no, this was me creating the safe space. Right. So creating the academy where girls that wanted to either get into modelling or build their confidence mm-hmm. could come to me. Yeah. And I set up my first class in Greenock in 2013 and I got my first sale yeah. sitting in the library and 
I was buzzing because I'd left this stage since maybe a couple of months before. Yeah. So I wasn't exactly sitting there rolling in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that first sale was a sign to me that somebody's buying into me. Hi. Yeah. Like this is this could work. So that gave me so much drive, and um, the, I met my first. So the first sale went to my first event, my first show, and it was a huge success. And honestly, and you said this to me before. Don't be, don't be sorry about blowing your own trumpet. Yeah. I'm not arrogant, but I'm very proud that every single one in the last twelve years has been a huge success, and it's just grown by the day. And there was a common theme, you know. They would it ended up there would be girls who were maybe suicidal, really bad autism, mental health problems, um, really badly bullied, obviously I know how that feels, and their parents would come crying to me and saying, I heard you, don't know what you're doing, or how you're doing it, but you can, you're my last hope. And I would say, right, leave them with me, and we'll turn it all around. And then, so I would build them up from the inside out, and then we would demonstrate their new, newfound confidence on the catwalk in front of all their friends and family, and everybody would be crying happy tears and raving about it, and everybody yeah. would just say, like, oh my God, you've given me my daughter a smile back and I've not saw her that confident ever before. So there was like a common theme yeah. of the confidence building. And it's something you can massively relate to. What age group is it from? Four, four, right four. up to 18. So obviously what you've highlighted today in the podcast is for your building started at eight five and your mm-hmm. self-confidence and all the things you've been through. You're passing all that experience to these young girls who are then overcoming the hurdles, but... I've got you as a role model to then walk onto a catwalk and go, do you know what, look at me. Absolutely. And I think that it went from, although modelling's always been a bit of a, it's always been a passion of mine, but I've always felt deeper than that. Like, it's not about, oh, look at me. It's about, like, being, like, believing in yourself and and that's okay. And and that's a good thing. Because it's, like, where where I'm from, it's, like, if you're remotely... It's, like, who does she think she is? Who does she think... Look at her. She's fully herself. And and I'm I'm not like that at all. And people that know me, I've got people that have known me for a long, long time Mm -hmm. that know that that's not what I'm like. It's almost as if, like, you've got to... You've got to... You've got to dim yourself to fit in. And I've done that for so long. So um, when I got repeat feedback that this is amazing like they're so confident and it's a say and the kids I mean I the girls that I've got in my books have been coming to me for over 10 years mm-hmm. they tried dancing and gymnastics and all these different things and but always wanted to come back to the academy so I, I realized that there was something more to this and there had to be something that was deeper than just posing in front of a camera and me telling them that they look good that, that there was more to that and it's so interesting because after like my latest traumatic event, I then went on to study and qualify in hypnotherapy because mm-hmm. uh, I was so obsessed with like the subconscious mind and all that kind of stuff. And um, that was amazing for me because I found out during that training that for the last 10 years, I was using techniques within my academy that I didn't even know. I was using things like anchoring, mm-hmm. like different things. I remember a guy who you'll meet, Freddie Jackman, when uh, one of the, the training sessions talking about it and he was kind of intrigued about the work that I did for the kids mm-hmm. and he went Nicola you've been doing that for years and you've not even known it and I would have folk messaging like my Facebook page people that were trained yeah. in psychology and different things saying Nicola like, what's your secret what is it you're doing and at the time I didn't even know what I was doing I was just like I'm just rocking up and being myself like I'm mm-hmm. talking from like experience and I think that these kids recognised that I was genuine and that they could trust me and that 
I wasn't just rocking up saying, "Ugh, you look good, you're going to be great. They knew that I was coming from a place, I know how that feels, to feel that bad about yourself, and then come out the other end of that. And you've highlighted a great thing there, you were speaking for experience, and I always say experience can be any book, any course, because if you've lived it, and you've lived that experience, you can pass that knowledge on to somebody. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's, it's invaluable what you've passed on. That's better than any training in the world. 100%, and that's exactly what's happened. Just something you were saying there is like, it's something a way back, it stems back. You can say the schemes are wherever you're brought up, your upbringing is when somebody does go outside the box and say they've got a talent in modelling, dancing, football. We don't go, on you go and go and make something of yourself. It's it's the actual opposite. And I think this is then has a negative impact on kids and they're growing up and we see it and that's how people end up drink, drugs, going down the wrong route. 100%. And I was speaking to a guy from, <clears throat> from where I am, Pollock. Mm-hmm. He was saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. He's coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks so it's quite good that you've highlighted this mm-hmm. and he's got to talk about the whole upbringing of how he was brought up and how now like 20, 25 of the people the guys in mm-hmm. his area have now passed away but he highlighted that it's all down to this stemming for no self-belief nobody's installing any good values or support or go and do this go and do that absolutely it's all negative totally so it's, it, it, totally it's amazing that you've come on here and highlighted that experience which shows it so in the, the coaching academy and on your events mm-hmm. what are they what do they look like Nicola because I know I'm going to be involved in one I know October, I'm buzzing about that yeah what I'm looking forward to um, so basically like what you just to touch a wee bit on what you'd mentioned there I, I've also been working in schools for the last 10 years as well mm-hmm. to educate them on bullying and to educate the bullies because a lot yeah. of the bullies don't know um, that they're Bullies necessarily yeah, like always the, stemming for parents. Always, always pain. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 kids that are causing the damage are coming from pain. Mm-hmm. So I, I've spent a lot of time in schools educating kids on what bullying actually is and the effects that that has on um, the people that they're they're bullying and what bullying actually means and things like that. Um, so the the kids come to me. They through various techniques that I'm trained in. Like you mentioned, a toolbox. I've got. I've grown my toolbox, mm-hmm. depending on what the issue might be. I'll use whatever tool I feel, what technique I feel is more suitable to that individual. And it's like, it happens very quickly. And this is what I love about what I do now, because years ago, it, used, it would be it would take me hours and hours. Now I can do it in a day, which it sounds as if I'm showing off again. I'm not, but I remember even yeah. Fred saying to me, you sure you're going to be able to do it? Like, can you do this in a day? And I was like, I think I can. <laughs> I think I can and we did and we've done it and it's been great so basically the kids come in early um, it's a very I create like a really safe space very chilled out environment we have an icebreaker <clears throat> I like have a talk to them about like what I'm all about I make them relax instantly through breathing work um, and then I teach them techniques and how to calm down in any situation whether that's in the future doing exams, driving tests, whatever. And very quickly, like, they feel calm. And then I get them to compliment each other on their looks mm-hmm. and then talk about values. And so it goes from a very nervous, anxious atmosphere because these, these kids don't know each other. They don't know what they're coming into. And the yeah. parents are always the same as well. They're always stressed out and anxious to one of... 
this is actually cool and this is going to be safe and this is going to be a good experience and it's it's really transformational and it's you'll love it it's brilliant to watch mm-hmm. um, and what happens then is is we've got hair and makeup and all that involved so it's basically building them up from the inside out but the parents they don't see what's happening behind the scenes they just come in and they leave their kids with me mm-hmm. they go and maybe have a couple of glasses of wine and they come back and then they're, they're just blown away by this new found I've had parents say to me there's no way you will get my daughter to do that mm-hmm. not a chance but every single one of them came out and they struck their stuff and heads held up high and it's kind of changed into a personal development event now as well. Mm-hmm. So I've had speakers, like the book came about because one of the guys that I was coaching once I'd done my mental health training, <coughs> excuse me, um, he went public. The girls who refused to quit. Is, is yes. Yeah. So basically what happened, with, when I got my coaching certificate, I don't know if you can relate to this, I'm sure that there will be people that can relate to this, I stupidly thought that I had to have this perfect life. I was like, right, that's me, I'm, I'm a coach now, I, I'm, I'll be able to make a fortune and I'll mm-hmm. be fine. And, but then I, I I can't feel like a fraud either. Like I, in my head I'm like, right, I need to have this, I need to have this perfect marriage or this perfect house, and perfect, perfect everything. And then I was like, one day it just clicked. I was like, that's complete bullshit. Like, yeah. nobody's ever perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. And I know that social media can portray that, but it's not real. It's like, nobody's ever perfect and there's never a right time. Mm-hmm. So I, I started, I just got out my own way. And I started and literally it felt like overnight, it was mental. After years of dreaming about this stuff, I was dreaming about like, becoming an author, becoming a reputable coach, because everybody in your granny at this point was wanting to become a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was going to put me off a wee bit as well, because I was like, mm, like how, how did the book come about and the idea is getting about? So that's, that's what I'm leading up to. Yeah. It all happened really quickly. So, so basically, um, I helped one of my neighbours, a young girl called Claire, who was suicidal. And I once I got out my own way, all the techniques that I had learned, I implemented on her. And she went from feeling suicidal to feeling mm-hmm. not suicidal, mm-hmm. feeling much better, but couldn't afford to pay me and insisted on doing a video testimonial. And that went a bit mental on Facebook. To go viral, didn't it? I wouldn't say viral, but it got a good reception. Yeah. I've never tried to go viral, sure. I'm not like... I think that's the thing, though. I don't you, try and go when, viral. When you don't try and go viral, you usually do go viral. I well, you're, I mean, you're definitely doing, you're definitely doing well with that. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you you're doing brilliant with that. But I, I've never, I think, because of the stuff that happened with me online, I've always been like kind of a wee bit like, yeah, I'll put that out there. But I'm still a bit. Yeah, social media can be toxic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was that. But anyway, she was like, I want to do this video testimonial, and she did, and I got in touch. I got approached by headhunted by a, a good, well funded mental health charity here in Scotland who um, work with high-profile Scottish footballers who are suicidal maybe through... It always usually stems back to childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I can tell within minutes what the problem is, and it's usually childhood stuff. And one guy in particular who was suicidal, who planned his suicide, he was going to the chain line. He was was just going to sit there and wait for the chain. Footballer, eh? Yeah. Yeah. had a beautiful model wife, a guy had everything, beautiful child, beautiful model wife, big Land Rover, like, just, what, what do you think? Just, just like everything you've just said there, <laughs> I've got the coaching, I've done the modelling, it's... What, what you would think that every guy would want, yeah. he had, good looking guy as well, and um, 
but was suicidal. And I, I got a phone call one day, and I, they said to me, like, this guy's suicidal. Nobody, I, I, nobody felt, I don't know what the right word is, ready, equipped, I don't know, to, to take the guy on, right? But I, there was no way that I, I could say no to this guy. Like, there was, I couldn't say no to anybody that was suicidal, ever, right? Mm-hmm. No matter who it was. So anyway, long story short, I met him in Dale Park, and we sat down, and within half an hour, I had I had it sussed out what the issue was, and it stemmed back from childhood. So cocaine, different things. Co- you know yourself. Oh you don't. I'm not saying you know yourself. I just, I just mean you've heard mm-hmm. how people use drugs. No, I've used drugs. Gambling, and gambling, and drink myself. Got mechanisms. So I know exactly what you're talking about. To mask the pain. Yeah. Right. So I worked with him for three months, and he turned his whole life around. He's doing amazing now. He's, he spoke at one of my events. He went public with his testimonial about how I had turned his whole life around. That went mental. The media got a hold of that. I'm sitting in McDonald's drive through one day, like every now and again, I let my wee girl get a treat at McDonald's. And um, I get a voice note from mm-hmm. a publisher. Like, we've been watching you, we think you're amazing, like, you're totally heart led, you're no ego based. And it was weird because I had that on, I had that written down as one of the things that I wanted to do was become an author. But I was mm-hmm. like, how the hell am I going to do that? Didn't have like 20 grand sitting in the bank to fork out for like a publisher. Yeah. And um, within a year of wanting to become a speaker and an author, it happened. It's amazing. Universe, isn't it? Talking to the universe mm-hmm. and it happens. Mm-hmm. And how did the book, what was the process of the book? And what, what could you explain a wee bit what the book is about? And obviously get, get a shout out as well and direct people towards it. Because I know it's all yeah. about women, women's mental health. I would say that if anybody's interested in anything that I'm, I've been speaking about today, it's not just women's mental health. Like I, I'm, a, I'm just, just across the, the board. The girls refuse to cut. Yeah, that's that, that was that, that was like a taster for me to the world of being an author. And if, like, to be honest, obviously I wanted to make a difference and tell tell my story as well. Mm-hmm. And I and my big thing was I could sit down in front of somebody one to one all day long and help them. But I always wanted to, like, how can I do this on a bigger scale? How can I make a bigger impact? And it was on a stage and it was through a book. So um, if anybody wants any more information about anything, I would say message me on Facebook, Nicola Green. I've got free resources and I'll, I'll send some signed books out to them. Um, so, but that that was that. Was that, uh, that was... That was an interesting experience because that started during COVID, Stuart, when I was... Um, Going through a bit book, of a hard time. The book, the book did, is it just as recent as that? Yeah. 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 Uh, and I didn't think I was going to be able to do it because my nan, who was like my best mate, and I'm 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 definitely not going to cry here today because I've spent a while doing my makeup. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> no, <laughs> but she was like my best. Well. She, she, she was my best mate. Mm-hmm. She was my everything. And I couldn't get to see her because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was killing me. Like that was like killing me massively. And that's, we had a deadline. That's a whole topic in itself, isn't it? Aye, oh, and I'm not going to get too much into that then now. Um, but I had a deadline and I had a certain amount of words that had to be submitted for this deadline. And I'll never forget it. I remember sitting, it was like a summer's day and I was in my garden and I was just crying and I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this because I can't get to see my nan. She's really ill. She's just in and out of hospital. How the hell am I going to be able to sit and do this book and give it my all? And I'm the type of person, if I can't do it, like amazing, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I, I, I just thought, the titles, the girls that refuse to quit, how yeah. can I quit? Like, I, how am I going to explain that to my kids? 
your mum could have done well at being an author at a book called The, the, the Kiddles that yeah. she quit right? so it just didn't make any sense the reason they wanted me was because I wasn't the type to quit yeah. so I just had a wee word with myself as I like to call it giving myself a, a bit of a loving kick up the bum and I'd done it in a day and it went with the day of publishing it went to number one in Amazon in six different categories that's amazing huh? how proud are you with that do you know what I mean I, and that came with again like I, I was proud and but that came with the other side of the coin Oh, the toxic stuff. Yeah. Did that start again after it the book did, as well? again, even from shock, shock, shock again at the... I high. think a lot of people relate to your story today, highlighting such as like how it's the inner circle that's the most toxic or like, who do get that sense of insecurity when they do see somebody that's close within them starting to move in life and they feel as if, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting left behind there and it is their own insecurities that are getting projected. I could write a whole book on and that like subject. It, it's the hardest one to deal with because it's the emotional thing, in it? Because it's totally. family it's or hurt. somebody. Aye, it's, hurt. it's so hurtful. It's so hurtful. And for so many, on so many occasions, like even after I swore to myself that I would never do it again, I did. Like, I would find myself in a relationship where, again, I was dimming who I was to make that person feel better about themselves because they didn't like what was happening. And I'd done that again, and I'll never do it again. But um, that was... that was um, I lost my nan no, no long after that. Mm-hmm. And she got, to, she got to see me going to number one, and she got to see that, and she was really proud. Oh, so I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that, because yeah. I don't want to sit here crying on your podcast. <laughs> I no, want to try and lift your spirits. You've been amazing. It's, it's been amazing, honestly. So what is the next steps for you now, Nicola? I feel, you know, it's so mad, because there's like... I just feel like I'm just getting started. That's the weird thing. Like, all this stuff, it feels like all these lessons and all the tears and the blood sweat and tears because mm-hmm. there has been a lot of that I feel like I'm out I'm out of all the toxic stuff I've got a really really good solid small circle of people quality over quantity is one of my favourite mm-hmm. we quotes and one of the things that I know that you like as well as don't get better get better Yeah, and that's what I would say anybody out there anybody that's, and I know there's going to be a lot of people struggling because I predicted that even before COVID that I've been going through this <laughs> for the last over a decade, 40 years nearly. But um, as is that for when people are hurting you, like try your very best not to take it personally. And I know that that's annoying. That sounds annoying. But it's always projection. It's always what's going on with them. They're just pro- projecting onto you. And that if I if I could there's a bit in the book if I could go back and speak to myself as a wee girl what would I say and that's one of the uh, things uh, that I've said. That's a good question. What, well, that's exactly that? what I said. Don't take everything so personally. Mm-hmm. You know, people are projecting their own pain. Yeah. And they people people that are if they're not being loving, kind, or supportive, they've got an internal struggle and pain there, and they're projecting that onto yeah, you. 100%. And they need to work on themselves and just rather than getting into like revenge and allowing them a um what's the word that I'm looking for a define you as a person don't be better don't try and get just put all that energy into getting better mm-hmm. like and focusing on what can you do to make a positive difference and as you grow unfortunately the people that you thought that were going to be with you the whole road they fall away but you there's a saying um, it's lonely at the top but it's a great view yeah. and 
as long as you stay true to yourself and you know that you're doing things from the right place for the right reasons, the right people will show up. And the people that are in the right, they're a blessing as well because there's a lesson in that. And I feel as if I've been into pure Phil Tony Robbins with it. <laughs> no, that, that was absolutely amazing there, Nick. And I think um, we'll, we'll wrap up on that. And that was an amazing piece of advice for anybody who's watching the podcast today. And I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story there. It's, it'll be massively relatable to a lot of women out there as well. So thanks very much. You're welcome. And it's been a pleasure. We will get a part two in as well. because I, I think, think we'll there's, need to. There's a lot more to come. I think to. there's a few parts. <laughs> thanks very much. No worries. Cheers.